Welcome to another episode of the Novum Insightful. Uh, I'm very pleased here to have uh, John Ennis, uh, who I've been spending a lot of time talking to, who, who I think is is one of the foremost innovators in the NFT crypto creation of new means of transacting uh, that I know. Um, he's a fascinating guy, uh, both a uh, computational neuroscientist and mathematician by background, repeat entrepreneur, uh, having run uh, Igora up until up until the founding of NeoSwap, and, and is still closely involved with that fascinating business as well. Um, so, so John, uh, welcome to another episode of Novum Insightful. How are you feeling today? Oh yeah, I'm doing doing well. And just in case our investors are listening, I am not working on Agora anymore. I'm an advisor there. I'm full time on NeoSwap just to yeah. make through. Yeah, no, no, no. Of course, I, I, I in in the sense of uh, your your uh, um, uh, as a uh, um, founder of it is what. I yeah, yeah, right. yeah, it's still running. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, well, yeah. So, what am I? Interested in? That's the general question. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. okay. Well, what I think is really interesting, and I think what people don't always appreciate about Web three more generally. I mean, you and I, I think, are both into Bitcoin, and I was for a long time a Bitcoin maximalist. Um, I really didn't understand that there were other economic possibilities opened up by smart contracts that blockchains do more than just offer a month. Okay, so Bitcoin is, I think, gold standard for store value. I think that if you're eventually for things that are important, they will need to be built on Bitcoin to, to hold their value over time, not be censored, that kind of thing. But that's not the whole story of economic activity. That when it comes to economic activity, we need to reassign ownership rights. And it's not always a situation where you have to worry. Of, you don't always need the security of the Bitcoin network. And I think that Web3 offers a lot of very interesting economic possibilities. And at Neoswap, maybe this is going into too quick, Toby, so slow me down if, um, if needed. But I, at Neoswap, what we are doing is we are finding a new form of commerce that is made possible by being able to reassign ownership of digital assets, <clears throat> including currency, but especially NFTs. I think NFTs are extremely interesting technology. I think NFTs are one of the more important inventions in human history, actually. We could talk about that. But by reassigning ownership of NFTs and of uh, other digital assets like cryptocurrencies, you can... Uh, benefit everyone. You can have these direct value to value transfers, sometimes very complex 20 person trades at the same time where everyone benefits from the transaction. And that's something that was really very hard to do in web two and extremely hard to do in the physical world. So I think there are these new economic possibilities open up by web three that people don't appreciate. It's not just about currency. I think Bitcoiners can sometimes be obsessed with currency and they kind of lose the forest for the trees. The currency is just a means to an end. Currency is an indirect solution to the problem mismatch wants. But Web3 actually allows us to approach that problem directly and just reassign ownership so that everyone benefits using maybe not very much currency at all. Fascinating. And and I think I think it's probably worth spending a bit of time uh, unpacking a bit what you're doing with NeoSwap. Mm. So, so essentially, it, it I, I kind of, and, and uh, putting it in my own words, I know, I know that you've got, you've got other ways of articulating this, but, but it's sort of, brings um an element of the the fungible crypto so so you're you're live currently on stacks you're going to be live on uh the other 
probably the the most important blockchain after Ethereum for smart contract usage. Um, uh, Solana soon, which has more users perhaps in the NFT space, so it isn't doesn't have that tie to Bitcoin like uh, Stacks does. Um, yeah. The uh, but essentially, what what NeoSwap allows people to do is is um, share the contents of 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 their wallets with others, and also that you're using uh, the the native token on these all of these different blockchains as mm -hmm. a as a kind of I guess a kind of grease for the barter transaction in some ways. Yes. So it, it's. Um, uh, and, and again, we're we're trying to sort of uh, um, uh, sort of talk and put words around what is very intuitive if you look at it visually. But but I, it's it to me the the heart of NeoSwap is is it it does get rid of a liquidity problem in the NFT space. Mm. Um, and and I think you you view that as something that you can really uh apply to many different things i guess maybe mm -hmm. with the nfts and the the fungible token as a kind of as the mechanism for for what that unlocks i guess to formulate this into a question like mm -hmm. where where do we where do we go from having this sort of mechanism for easy easy sort of peer to peer sharing of the different items and tokens that people have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the, the kind of um, big picture problem that NeoSwap solves, and you talk, mentioned the liquidity problem, but actually even liquidity is just a means to an end, typically, just like currency is a means to an end. The, the, the general problem is that people own the wrong things. The people own some things and other people own other things. And people don't own the things that they, like, there's a certain amount of value that everybody assigns to the items they own. And you have productive economic activity when items move from people who value them less to people who value them more, okay? And you can have a big trade network where you have items flowing. I mean, just think back to the history of trade with, you know, the Phoenicians showing up on the shores of um, Mediterranean or wherever the Silk Road, um, you know, between China and Rome, that you had items that were not so valuable in one place. They get moved to another place where they have greater value. And that can go both ways. It can be happening in a network. But when items move from the places where they're less valued to the places that they're more valued, you have productive economic activity, okay? And historically, because you have this problem of mismatch wants and you can't find the correct way to move all the goods around, money has been useful and liquidity has been useful to help us to move items around so they can find the right place. But the thing that is really special now with Web3 and with AI is we can finally solve that problem directly. And we can, if we can figure out, the, block, the blockchain tells you who owns things, okay? I think that's, for me, the central concept of, of the blockchain is the abstraction of ownership, a very beautiful kind of mathematical abstraction of ownership with the property that you can reassign ownership as long as you only have permission of the people who own the items. That's important. When people talk about, why don't you do this in Web2? Well, you need right access to the whole database. But we don't need right access to the whole database. We only need right access for the rows corresponding to the transaction, right? You only need to reassign the ownership of the items involved in the trade. So you don't need right access to the whole database. That's the thing that I think is really one of the things that's special about the blockchain. So anyway, you know who owns things, you know how much people value things because we can either get that directly, we can talk about our parties or indirectly, you know, through different predictive models. 
But if you know who owns things and you know how much everybody values everything, then you can figure out complex transactions that benefit everyone. And you can have all of the activity be peer-to-peer with no central market. And so you get this fully distributed commerce that's, that's now possible. And we've done trades with 20, 25 people. Everybody comes together. You've been to a party, Toby. They're actually quite fun, where you bring together a group of people in an event. We call it a party. People can list the NFTs that they want to sell. They can bid on each other's NFTs. They can set a budget because this is a new type of commerce where you're not going to have to sell everything and then buy everything. It all happens at the same time. Okay. That's, I think, a big thing. So you, you figure out, okay, how much grease am I willing to contribute here? Like you call it, like, if you're going to have to pay a little bit of money, how much, you know, extra, how, how much money would are you willing to contribute on top of the NFTs you might sell? And then we find this trade that's good for everyone. Okay. Then we can use that to predict how much people like everything and we can do trades outside of the parties. So I think there's a really big thing here. And I'm, I'm still trying to get my mind around it myself, kind of going beyond liquidity, going beyond money to solve the original problem of economics, which is how do you reassign ownership so everyone benefits? Yeah, amazing, amazing. And and I think um, you've mentioned before, like a lot of these ideas um, sort of started way back when in your sort of university days when you were mm. when you were sort of looking at the, the I guess the mathematical theories around this kind of commerce and that kind of thing is that, is that well it, it, it even goes back to my childhood where when, when I was 12 my father who's a mathematical psychologist he's actually a pretty famous scientist he um wanted to know if you gave out all the Christmas presents to the kids at random and they traded with each other one-on-one, what items go where? Actually, would you end up with people owning the correct items? And the actual the answer turns out to be no, unfortunately. Um, and so there were a lot of unhappy Christmases because people got stuck with the wrong items. Um, but it got me interested in the problem. So I was always kind of working on it in the background. And really what got, you know, I, I was working on it, you know, as I got my PhD in math. But where I really solved it was in 2017, I was in market research and I was doing a lot of optimization. And actually, I was getting into operations research, which is a fascinating field, trying to figure out, um, well, there's, diff- there's different reasons in market research why you might want to, um, to optimize different functions. And so some of the tools that were being used for optimization there, I realized they could be used to solve this problem. And that's when I first um, solved it. But it wasn't until really the beginning of last year, I realized that Web3 gave us like the missing pieces that we needed. It, it was We were trying to do it in the real world and then trying to do something with Facebook Marketplace. It was all too hard. It just wasn't going to work, but Web three makes these stuff um, very easy. Yeah, and and I think that is it's it's so intriguing, right? Like the magic of Web three, mm-hmm. um, when when people get into crypto, get into DeFi, get into NFTs, like um, it is amazing the power of sort of adding liquidity pools to like esoteric um designs and all there's that there is a huge amount of power here but it, it's often very poorly understood by people right like mm-hmm. like you you like you and i i think have gone pretty far down the rabbit hole but mm-hmm. but the the and even we haven't fully unlocked as much as others perhaps but it's it's still very very early like 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 the users on like um the neo swap parties i think i might have been to about 10 of them um mm-hmm. but the the um the um like i i probably know someone on on one of the parties like on every mm-hmm. single party 
besides the NeoSwap team. Um, right. And so it's like, it's a very, like, especially NFTs on Stacks. I mean, it's a cottage industry where like, like it's, um, it's, there's quite a bit changing hands, but, but it's, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's very, um, a small community of believers wanting to build DeFi on Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, it'll be very interesting as that expands out, right? Right. Yes. That's right. I think actually the future sex is pretty bright. So we'll see how that all turns yeah. out. I mean, there's a lot of things happening in the world right now that could be good for Bitcoin. And if that happens, it'll probably end up being good for stacks. So we'll see how that all yeah. turns out. Um, and and I think it's super as well, right? Like like, and I think I think, well, I I mean, I you you both both you and I were on different cohorts of the stacks accelerator, right? Like the the um the reality is like like when we got onto stacks, like there were no NFT marketplaces. There mm -hmm. was no DeFi platform. There was just like you could stack stacks to earn Bitcoin, and that was pretty much it. Um, and like there have been a few NFTs sold, but not really with a marketplace, right? Like so, it was just mm -hmm. like uh, um, so. I think it's it's in a year actually the the stacks has moved pretty quickly. And and mm -hmm. like and I think NeoSwap is probably one of the more successful products that's actually getting adoption. And what I like about NeoSwap is like like a lot of the things on Stacks are kind of other ways of implementing stuff that you can do on Ethereum. What what I think is quite like, like I don't think there has yet been a a copy of of NeoSwap or or something that's similar, right? Like, so you're quite unique in that way, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's actually keeps you up at night about <laughs> making sure we get to Solana and Ethereum fast enough. <laughs> that's definitely on my mind a lot. You know, it's not easy. I, mean, I said that Web three makes what we're doing easy. Well, it's true. It makes the execution of the con of the contracts easy, but in terms of the, what we're doing, it's actually pretty difficult. So that provides some protection. But uh, yeah, it's on my mind for sure that we. We will be live on Solana in three weeks, and then next year we'll be live on Ethereum, uh, yeah. kind of basically. And that's probably, I mean, Solana is probably the fastest growing NFT ecosystem by a mile, right? Like, so, so it must be like you're you're going to be moving from dealing with hundreds of people and good quality kind of regulars to thousands, if not tens of thousands of people, right? Like, well, that's right. That's why we're doing a soft launch. So we're starting through, now through the end of the year, we're just going to really throttle it and gradually roll it out. Um, not to any kind of big fanfare because we could end up in a situation where you end up with a hundred thousand users in a day and it's a complete disaster, like a total disaster where you've got thousands of failed contracts. And, you know, so we don't need that. We need it. We need to roll it out rather gradually because there's a lot of edge cases when it comes to smart contracts and we have to make sure we can handle them. So it won't really be until uh, January, February of next year when we open it up. We'll have a new UX, and then we'll be ready to really scale it up. So th between now and the end of the year, it's a lot of experimentation on, on Solana. Cool. Just, cool. you know, kind of, you can call it live beta testing, might be the right way to think about it. Yeah, very, very cool. And um, and also very intrigued, uh, you're obviously spending quite a bit of time with uh, Vinay at Materium, where, where I've also been an advisor. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, like, what have have you got 
far at all with how you're doing stuff in terms of physical assets and that kind of thing? Yeah, that's interesting because in terms of like our business and what we have to focus on, we have to focus on immediate use cases, which would be um, NFT projects doing events for NFT communities. You know, we like the way that we're scaling is we're scaling the number of parties, which means that we need to have lots of partners to run the parties. Okay. So in the short term, we have to focus on NFT communities, artists, and games. Those are kind of the main hmm. use cases that we're focusing on. In fact, Solana, you were talking about how much bigger it is. We can't really do open public parties on Solana because nobody knows all the NFTs. There's just too many. Like if you were to go to a public party on Solana and people just brought whatever NFTs, no one would really know what those NFTs are. You can do it on Stacks because there aren't that many projects. You pretty much know what you're looking at. But if it was just a, you know, a party in the wild on Solana, it's not going to make a lot of sense. So we have to have themes. Like this is for this community. This is for that community. So in the short term, from a business perspective, we have to focus on that. In terms of the long term and where my like heart is, my heart is in what Vinay is doing, where my belief is that this technology, when it makes its way out to the real world, mm-hmm. will lead to a much more sustainable economy. You'll have a circular smart economy where instead of items getting recycled, like right now, if you look at the um, circular economy diagram, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of weird. There's never really a recirculate step. There's always a recycled step. There's always this idea you know, buy something, you're going to use it, you might use it again. You have reuse, right? But eventually you recycle it and then you you know, make something else. What we're proposing is that there's another step, which is recirculate, where you won't use something again, but somebody else will. Okay, mm-hmm. And that is where the work that Vinay and the team at Materium uh, are doing is incredibly important. I actually think that the work they're doing is some of the most important work in Web3 because the work that they're doing to connect the ownership of physical goods with Web3 and the blockchain is uh, you know, from a legal perspective, that's fantastically important that you need to get the world's assets with their ownership recorded on chain. Okay. It'll just make, the, I, you know, one of my, um, the president at my other company, Igora, I was just talking to her. She moved to La Palma last year. They've been trying to get a mortgage. They are in a house. They have an agreement with the owner to buy the house. They've been trying to buy the house for a year. Okay. <laughs> and the reason they can't buy it is the ownership records in La Palma are a giant disaster. It's just a, like, there's three different uh, records of ownership. And one of them, apparently, the house is classified as a shed. And so it can't be sold. <laughs> it's just like, totally crazy that she's in the house. Meanwhile, interest rates are going up. They're trying to get a mortgage. And it's just they keep seeing what the mortgage payment will be. It's increasing because like everything's lined up, but they can't buy the house because the ownership records are a mess. There's just one person. I'm sure that worldwide, there are millions of stories of people trying to buy houses where they can't because there's something wrong with yeah. the ownership. So that's all going to come on chain. Real estates can all come on chain. You're going to have supply chain coming on chain, all of that. And then all the work that Fidei and the team of Ethereum are doing is going to become relevant. And you're going to have this huge value unlock mm-hmm. when the ownership of all these real world assets is recorded on chain. Then you can come along and you can do advanced, you could call it swapping, but you can do this new form of commerce, this kind of low liquidity. Sorry to say, it's kind of like high volume, but low liquidity. We don't need a lot of, of um yeah, you're kind of high velocity, low liquidity commerce that we're doing at Neoswap. Things will be able to move around directly peer to peer and it will have a much more efficient economy. It could be twice as productive. Like it's not it's not ridiculous to claim that G- the GDP can be doubled by the combination of blockchain ownership and very sophisticated economic tools. Because I, I actually feel like I can support that claim if you want me to try to defend it. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and I think I think it's, I mean, I, 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 um, I tend to agree with it, right? Like, like I think it's there's just so much value 
that needs to be unlocked. But but mm-hmm. I, I guess let's dive into it. Um, I mean, it it's real estate and high value objects that people have in their homes, and how do, how do you unlock them? Right. It's, Probably. Well, it's going to start with high value assets for sure. Yeah. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have cars, you're going to have rare barrels of whiskey, you know, you're going to have cases of wine, you're going to have art, you're going to have jewelry, watches, whatever, all that stuff will be on chain. You're going to have collectible items, coins, whatever that, that'll all go on chain. But I think it will trickle down because you, that's where the benefit, like you have something like Solana where you, people always make a joke about Solana being so centralized. Well, the flip side is it's extremely fast. And it's not very expensive to mint things. And there's other solutions coming that will make the cost of minting almost zero, okay? Hmm. That if you're going to be using NFTs at scale, if you're going to have brands, like maybe you're going to have, um, I don't know, I suppose Cracker Jack, you know, wants to put NFTs inside their boxes. I'm not, you're from the UK, so maybe you don't know this. But in America, there's kind of a candy popcorn called Cracker Jack, where there's always some toy inside, okay? Very natural that that toy will get replaced with QR code. And you'll be able to scan it and get an NFT and there'll be some sort of digital thing you get. Well, does that NFT need the security of Bitcoin? Almost certainly not, right? It doesn't. It just really doesn't. It, it, it's not important. But you still get the benefit if you're going to start trading things of this decentralized database that has kind of minimal permissions that you can move things around. Okay. And it's, it, it can be fast if it's something like Solato, where it's relatively centralized, but it's still set up as a blockchain. You... Um, you can have children playing games, getting together, trading their items, building a collection, whatever of these crackerjack things. It doesn't have to be on Bitcoin. It can be on Solana. And um, that's fine. So I think eventually what's going to happen, you're going to start with the high-end assets, and it's going to gradually trickle down. And you're going to have real-world assets, like the books on my shelf. Like I've got hundreds of books behind me. And some probably 90% of those, 95% of those books, I'll never read again. They should be out in the world somewhere else. You know, Somebody else might actually like to read them. So what, what I can easily see is people going through their homes and cataloging all the items they're open to trading and, and trades getting proposed. And the ownership will get reassigned on chain, which has a legal ramification. This is what people don't really understand, is that if you right now, suppose Toby, you and I were in America and we did some trade and we signed a smart contract and I'm supposed to give you my surfboard, you're going to give me your pogo stick or something. And I don't give you my surfboard. In America, it would just be breach of contract. It wouldn't it wouldn't be more serious from a legal perspective. I don't not really have any, I don't have any strong compulsion to give it to you, but in the materium world where in the UK jurisdictions, they have, um, they've managed to get blockchain ownership recognized as legal ownership. Okay. Now it's a different situation because if we sign the smart contract and that contract, the smart contract says that now the surfboard is your surfboard and I'm not giving it to you. Then now we're in a different situation. You could call the police potentially if it's a valuable item because we agree I have your item, right? So the compulsion when it comes to getting that item from me is different. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to start with high-end assets being traded this way and it's going to trickle down. And eventually you're going to have all the activity that's on Facebook Marketplace will be happening in the real world on chain, trades being found, proposed by AI. And you have all these real-world assets moving around that currently are locked up in people's homes. And you won't need to print so many books and you won't need to cut down so many trees, right? You wouldn't when I have to have all that waste run, you know, run off from the factories. It'll be a much more sustainable economy when that happens. Mm. Yeah, no, no, fascinating, fascinating. And then in terms of the the kind of um where I guess like if we're replacing Facebook Marketplace or eBay or anything mm-hmm. like that, 
mm-hmm. like the um I mean what what do you say to eBay works pretty well at the moment, right? Like like people sign up and uh um transact for an item and believe they're gonna receive that item. I guess there's <laughs> the breach of contract element, but but how often does it happen, right? Like, like, mm-hmm. Well, the benefit of using the sort of technology we're describing will be the trade discovered. The fact that if you want to buy something on eBay right now, you need money, right? Or if you want to sell something, you have to find a buyer and the buyer needs to have money to buy your item. Okay. But what we're envisioning is this much more fluid form of commerce where people can catalog all the items in their house that they're willing to get rid of, right? For whatever price. And either they can just nominate it, we can propose prices once we have enough information or maybe set people set prices. But then there'll be this constant surveillance of the network to find these multi-way trades, which can include money. It's much better if they include a little bit of money. That's why it's not barter. You know, that's why we're going beyond money rather than back to barter. It's kind of forward for money. Um, where we can propose trades. And you may not even realize that you were looking for something. But the AI, what the AI does is you get a notification. It says, okay, Toby, um, you know, are you willing to trade this surfboard, you know, for these books and this other, you know, thing? And you didn't even know you were looking for it. And maybe you're going to get paid to take it. So that's really what's new is that it isn't just like the centralized market is incredibly inefficient. People don't realize how inefficient it is because we take it for granted. We're so used to it. We're so used to the idea that if you want to buy something and if you suppose you have a good you don't want and you want to buy something else, we're just used to thinking, all right, as soon as I sell this, I'll buy the other thing or maybe I'll take out a loan or whatever. But we don't need to do that. We have valuable items, probably items that are more valuable to somebody else. Let's move it all around and we can all be made better off. Okay. And with a little bit of currency in there, then you get equal value value exchanges and a lot of trades become possible. Very cool. So in terms of sort of where from from this kind of future, very easy kind of neo-swap style economy, um, what 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 do you think we have? What hurdles do we have to overcome on, on the way that? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, there's all the work that is going on in Materium and just the general work to record, to get people to accept blockchain ownership as like the blockchain as a record of ownership. I think that's something that needs to happen for sure. Um, I think you've got, um, so that would be one, the cost of minting needs to come way down. That'd be another. Another is that, you know, that along the supply chain, which you think would be an obvious application of these technologies. Um, much of the supply chain is still operating on paper. <laughs> so there's just a need to get wherever you've got ownership records, you have to get them on chain. And sometimes that means making them digital. Sometimes they're not even digital at all. You've got, like, it's an improvement that now people are using PDFs apparently in the supply chain world. So I think that that's really where we need to get to a place where ownership of items and even everyday items is recorded on chain. Okay. And then I also think Internet of Things will help. Smart home technology will help. Um, your autonomous delivery will help. Because if I'm going to set, you know, if we're going to have items going around the place, it'd be much better if they just go directly. If you have drone delivery where a drone comes to my house to drop something off and while it's here, it picks up something else, it brings it somewhere else. That will help. Rather than right now, the mail is very centralized, right? <laughs> like the, the mail, you know, the, the postman comes by, picks everything up, brings it to central processing facility. So the more the more the world gets decentralized, the more ready it will be for these technologies. And that includes decentralized delivery. And and I guess um we're we're coming towards the end, but but 
what what do you make of the i guess the critique of the nft and crypto world like from some traditionalists like you 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 sound like futurist but the activity mm. i see on chain is is people trading like uh fairly frivolous things as uh, amongst speculators who are sort of flipping things back and forth and it it it's mm. it's it, until people have how how do you see the sort of like the the picture that we all try to paint uh it's very different to the activity that seems to be going on at the moment so what do you make of that yeah well i mean there i just think we're in the early days and we're in a fairly you know the, the regulate the regulation is of course coming on now but it was a fairly unregulated environment for a while so you had a lot of just kind of wild behavior where people were engaged in all sorts of i mean if we're going to just be honest about a lot of the stuff that's happened in crypto there's been tons of scams because people have been able to hide what they're doing and i think this current bear market is very healthy because I feel like a lot of the, uh, what you might call, you know, BS has, is burning off. And that's very healthy. That I think that things that should have, that probably shouldn't have ever been around are dying. And, but maybe it's just the nature of things. You have a new area, you have explosion of interest. You have a lot of things happening that are not actually productive, but it's experimentation. Then there's a crash. And what's left is, is the good stuff, the things that should survive. And I think the idea of an NFT as publicly verifiable certificate of digital ownership is extremely important. And the ability to reassign ownership using only the permission of the people involved, very important. The ability to look at the chain and see who owns things. So if you want to propose trades, you need to know who owns things. So you can look at the chain and see who owns things. That's very important. So I think that, okay, in the early days of anything, like the hot air balloon, Right. Hot air balloon, when it first went up, it was just basically some spectacle. It was just kind of a stunt. And uh, there were people who didn't think it had any use at all. Maybe you know this story. Benjamin Franklin was there when the first hot air balloon went up, and it was like basically a stunt. The person next to him thought it was stupid. And what's the point of this? Meanwhile, Benjamin Franklin is thinking about hot air balloons, surveilling armies, and this kind of He's thinking about all the things <laughs> you can actually do. <laughs> right? um, and he was right. And so it's the same way with crypto, where I think you have a lot of stuff that um, probably should go away. But I think you have some very, very important ideas, and they will stay, and they will transform the world. They will transform the world economy uh, because they make things like Neospot possible. Amazing. Well, well, John, uh, a fantastic conversation. I always uh, really enjoy the conversations we have. So, so thank you very much for joining us on the Novum Insightful. Um, looking forward to checking out my next Neoswap party and uh, um, um, seeing where this goes. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Toby. And I should say, anybody who wants to follow me on Twitter, John underscore NS underscore BTC, I'll give you that for the show notes. So I'm happy to, anybody that wants to reach out, feel free to connect with me.